part of it. Not really, I'm just kidding. Psalm 1. Let's read this together. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Every person that we know, have ever known, or will ever know, every person in the history of mankind has always desired their life to be full of blessing. That's why we do what we do. Everything in our life is ordered in such a way that we will flourish. Um, Things even in our daily lives show this. We go to a job so that we can have money and pay our mortgage and have a house. So that we can have money and pay for a car. We go to school so that we can also get a job, but so that we can just excel in whatever we're pursuing so that we will be blessed. We also get married to have a life of blessing. Usually you don't go into marriage assuming the worst. You hope to receive some blessing from this. And these are all good things that we do. We also do some selfish things in our lives, but even in doing them, we still seek a blessing out of them, which is the whole reason that we do them. For instance, a person commits adultery because they think that that is the best for them. Or you may steal time from work because you assume more money is what you need. Or maybe you lie to a family member because you're trying to cover up something and you assume that you know best rather than telling the truth. Proverbs 21 tells us that every man's way is right in his own eyes. Everyone thinks that their lifestyle will lead to a blessing. That's exactly what Psalm 1 is talking about. How to live a blessed life. The first phrase in Psalm 1 starts with, How blessed is the man? That's not a question. That's an emphatic statement, similar to the old hymn, How great thou art. And the scripture here is giving us insight into how the blessed man is truly blessed. First of all, in Psalm 1, we see there is a certain reality that is revealed 
um, with the way life works. You know, Psalm 1 is not just telling us that a man is blessed by living however he or she wants. But rather it starts with the assumption that there is a God. This is earth-shattering to the natural man. This is why there is even a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Because God exists. This is why pursuing righteousness is worthwhile. Because God exists. If he didn't, then we truly would be left to our own advices. If Christ is not raised, we are of all men most miserable. Only the fool, according to Psalm 14, has said in his heart that there is no God. Just a few background points about the Psalter. It's important to keep in mind that the Psalter, or the Psalms, is a collection of books um, that were written and composed at various times. But when we come to them and interpret them, they should be interpreted as a whole work. Uh, The compilation of the Psalms is believed to be mainly post-exilic, that is, after the exile. It is unknown who compiled this work, but it is believed possibly to have been Ezra. Um, But the Psalms are broken down into five different books. Book 1 is chapters 3 to 41. Book 2 is 42 to 72. Book 3, 73 to 89. Book 4, 90 to 106. And Book 5 is 107 to 150. With Psalm 1 and 2 being the introduction to the whole thing. Now I think it's very interesting that Psalm 1 is not even the first psalm composed. Possibly and most likely it was Psalm 90, which is a prayer of Moses who lived way before David who um, we know to be the main writer of most of the Psalms. So the theme that we come to in Psalm 1 is not only a theme for the Psalter, but it's a theme for the entirety of Scripture. Namely, that the righteous are blessed, and the wicked will finally perish and are cursed. So as we break this down into contrasting here the righteous and the wicked, we come first to the righteous man. The righteous man is the blessed man. And Psalm 1 tells us what he does not do, why he is a blessed man. First of all, we see that the righteous man does not follow the way of the wicked. There seems to be a progression in verse 1. Um, that a believer or an unbeliever can get trapped in. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So there's a progression from putting yourself in the way of the wicked introducing yourself to their ways, and then actually immersing yourself into his ways. This is what the blessed man avoids. But it continues. It doesn't just tell us what he avoids. It tells us what he does. 
a godly man doesn't just avoid things, but he knows what to pursue, lest he simply become an ascetic. Romans, Paul in Romans, Paul tells us to not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcoming evil is not just avoiding things, it's doing something. Verse 2 also um, tells us that the righteous man delights in the ways of God. The ways of God are not a burden to him. Psalm 19 expresses great praise for the law of the Lord. Listen to this, Psalm 19. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Psalm 19 continues by explaining that the judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. The blessed man knows the benefits of keeping God's law, which leads him to desire to meditate on the precious truths of God's word. So he delights and then he meditates. Usually you meditate on something that you like, right? If you find yourself not meditating on God's word, then you probably don't like it as much as you thought you did. So we have to make sure that our priorities are correct, changing them as necessary. Then we come to the wicked man. The wicked, plainly put, will perish in his wickedness. Now, there seems to be a conundrum with the way that we actually experience reality. The wicked don't seem to perish because of their wickedness. Oftentimes, they seem to flourish. You have men as well-known as Hugh Hefner, the founder of Playboy. Now, he's got all the money. He's got all the girls. He doesn't seem to be perishing and paying for his wickedness. But this is what the scripture tells us. We'll look at that, why that's actually true, in just a little bit. They are left to their own devices. The wicked seem to go unnoticed by God and prosper in their wickedness. Now, what's ultimately ironic about the wicked is that even though they are left in their own devices, that seems to be their victory. But being left in your own devices is actually their judgment. They ignore God... And God, in turn, ignores them. And, my friends, that is a miserable state to be in. They basically are self-destroying. So, in a real sense, the wicked get what they want. God lets them have it. But this is not an indication that God has looked over their sin. This is actually an indication that his judgment is upon him. 
So let's look at a few application points here. First of all, um, just kind of recapping as we go through this, the application points would be, first of all, that this passage teaches us by way of encouragement, looking at the righteous man. It gives us insight into how to live a God-blessed life. Um, God did not lead us, or leave us rather, to figure out um, what a life of blessing looks like. God does care about his glory, certainly. He wants us to live in such a way that he is glorified, but he also is concerned about our lives being blessed and being um, in a state of flourishing. So he has led us to that way. And that's what Psalm 1 describes. It also describes the actual blessing. Not just that we will be blessed, but what it is. It says that the righteous man is like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Now this would have been vivid imagery for an Israelite mind who is used to desert. You know, if you're living around desert all the time... Um, A picture of a tree that is flourishing must be by a good source of life. It's got to be by streams of water, which is important. Um, So regardless what life throws at you, the blessed man who was by these streams of water um, is able to take on everything in life. Um, Also the blessing of the righteous, continuing here. The Lord knows the way of the righteous intimately. That is one of the blessings of the Lord. You see, the Lord um, basically ignores the wicked. But not so with the righteous. It says here that in verse 6, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. That basically could be translated in such a way that he is knowing the righteous. He is constantly pursuing the righteous. Um, It's related to Psalm 23. Mercy pursues the righteous person all the days of his life. And he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that is very encouraging. Um, Also, one of the blessings of the righteous is... Not just blessings in this life, but blessings in the life to come. Ultimately, believers will reign with God as kings and queens. Because God is the ruler of the universe, and we are his vice regents. And that is something that he is restoring to us. Another thing here that we see um, would be considering the wicked again. So what is our encouragement or our application when we consider the wicked? Considering the righteous, it's a way of encouragement. Considering the wicked, our encouragement is by way of warning. The wicked ignore God, and he in turn ignores them. Now I think it's important to note that the righteous would also do the same if God had not stepped in. Righteous living must not be taken for granted, but must be considered a gift. Trees don't plant themselves by rivers, but there's an outside source that plants them there, whether it's a human being or wind and rain that draws the seed there. 
So those who are born again and receive the Spirit, uh, the Spirit goes, according to John, the Spirit is like the wind blowing where it wants to. We don't choose to be in the kingdom of God, just like the tree did not choose to be by streams of water. So we, if you are in Christ, are no different than the wicked. Siri is not available. Can you help me with that? I was trying to look something up there. Ron's our Apple guy. Um, So basically, getting back to what we were saying, the Spirit in John 4, um, or John 3, is compared to the wind blowing where it wants to. And so we are basically... Um, saved and considered righteous because God has shown mercy to us. And at the end of the day, the wicked, even though they seem to prosper, what will they profit if they gain the whole world and lose their own soul? And even though they seem to be a tree that is growing roots broadly, if they are not by the streams of water they will ultimately perish because they need that life-giving source. Another thing of application here is that we need to recognize that there is a God and that His way is to be honored. Now, this certainly applies to the unbeliever, but this also applies to the believer in a great way. The, believer, the unbeliever needs to submit his entire way of living to God so that he can be blessed. Um, by God's grace, the believer has already done this. But this passage still hits home because sin is constantly working on the believer's heart as well. This passage is for us because we still have a tendency to walk in the counsel of the wicked, to stand in the path of the sinner, and to sit in the seat of the scoffer. Whether it's through lust, whether it's through um, just loving things more than God, pursuing things more than God, um, lying, we have to be careful as believers that we don't walk in the way of the wicked. Because the way of the wicked will perish. You may think that you can get away in life without a specific blessing from the Lord. You know, the Christians, they've got it good. You know, they receive a blessing from the Lord. I'm just going to go my own way. I think I'll be okay without receiving a blessing. But what we have to understand is, if you don't receive a blessing... As the righteous, you don't just not receive a blessing, you actually receive a curse. So the righteous would be, how blessed is the man? The wicked would be, how cursed is the man? So you do need, indeed, the blessing of the Lord. Now I think it's important, lastly, to notice that there is a specific way for acknowledging God, for honoring God in Scripture. It's not simply just a list of rules. 
It's not simply just keeping God's commandments, but it is through our communion with somebody in particular, through the Son, who was able to meditate perfectly on the law of God. The Son was able to delight perfectly in the law of God. And so our communion with God and the way to live a blessed life is not simply on our own accord, but it's through joining ourselves to the Son who can keep all of the laws perfectly. This leads us then to the question, so what does keeping the commandments of God have to do with us if they don't save us? If the law actually condemns us, why do we even try? Because we need Christ anyway. It's important to notice that Christ did not come to abolish the law. But what does the scripture say? He came to fulfill it. You see, when we are in Christ, we are then able to actually keep the commandments of God. And so, when Christ saves us, he saves us with the ability, since we have the Spirit, to keep his commandments. And then, as the scripture says, life comes by keeping God's word. But ultimately, it starts with Christ. So the law is not abolished, but rather is fulfilled. Colossians 3 even speaks about this. It speaks about the new life that believers have in Christ and the type of life that they are now supposed to live. They are to walk in the ways of God because that is where life is found. So I just want to challenge you this evening to, if you're an unbeliever, you better recognize that there is a God and that you don't receive a blessed life by doing what you want, but you do so by walking in God's ways. As a believer, which most of us are in this room, um, this passage still applies because you can't just rest on... The statement, you know, I am a believer because I have prayed the prayer. If you are ignoring God, then you are no different than the unbeliever. The ways of God are always the blessed way. And so you have to continue to give evidence that you are actually a believer by keeping his word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we close.